The Stoic Jew podcast content for the month of May has been made possible by Dan Horowitz, who has graciously taken up my experimental request for an accountability sponsorship in hopes that this will result in more Stoic Jew content. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's readings are from Epictetus's The Enchiridion, the handbook, chapter 8, and Marcus Aurelius's Meditations, book 5, chapter 20. And I'm going to say at the beginning that this is not a new idea, but this is both a review of an old idea and also a new way to conceptualize it, okay? So the readings are as follows. Epictetus says in chapter 8 of the Enchiridion, Do not demand that things should happen just as you wish, but wish them to happen just as they do, and all will be well. And Marcus Aurelius, in Meditations Book 5, Chapter 20, says, The mind adapts and turns round any obstacle to action to serve its objective. A hindrance to a given work is turned to its furtherance. An obstacle in a given path becomes an advance. Or if you want to state this in the way that my Stoic Medallion says it, in a much more, uh, I guess, concise and punchy way, the obstacle is the way. The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. So we've talked about these ideas a lot, and I believe that in the past, then I conceptualized these as three stages of development, okay? The first and the third are in the Epictetus quotation, and the second is in the Aurelius quotation. So stage one is is wishing that, uh, demanding that things happen as you wish. Okay. This is the classic Mishlaic fool who expects reality to conform to his desires. So that's where we all start off. All right. Because, well, as, as uh, infants, then things pretty much did happen the way that we wished, right? When we, when we cried, then we immediately got what we wanted. And, uh, almost as if by magic, these powerful beings swooped in and catered to every need. And as we grew older, then we had to come to terms with the fact that the world doesn't always do that. But that's a very, very, very difficult thing for us to relinquish. Uh, it's a very difficult uh, fantasy for us to relinquish. And so it continues to affect us. So that's level one, okay, is uh, demanding that things happen as we wish. Level two is when you accept the fact that there are things that you can't control and that reality will not do what you wish. But what you do is you you change your desires to accommodate the new reality. Uh, and by, I'm using the word accommodate uh, specifically here because what you're doing is you're taking something which would have been an obstacle and you're making it into a derech, into a path, into, into the way that you uh, can advance your actions. And sometimes that requires a changing of the, of the means, of the plan, you know, you were going to try to accomplish a certain objective in one way, and now you have to accomplish it in the other way. And sometimes it means changing the objectives or reconsidering the objectives. So that's level two. So level two is where you do realize there are things I can control and things I can't control. And when I when something is an impediment to me and I can't control it, so then I can I, I can control the way that I relate to it, and both internally in terms of my emotions and then also in terms of of how I incorporate that thing into my plans uh, and how I use it to advance my my goals. The highest level is is what the I don't know if, where this phrase comes from, but amor fati uh, of love fate, uh, and that's Epictetus saying 
uh, again, don't do not demand that things should happen just as you wish, but wish them to happen just as they do, and all will be well. Or on the Amor Fati Stoic Medallion, which I do not own, then there's a quotation from Nietzsche, which I have not read in context. I don't know where the context is. That he says that Nietzsche says not merely to bear what is necessary, still less conceal it, but love it. So you're not just tolerating it or accommodating yourself to it, but you're actually loving it and embracing it. And Chazal talk about this in many contexts. Uh, I guess the two that I think are the most relevant, which I've quoted a lot, are, let's see if I could find this one. I really should have uh, looked at this ahead of time. Uh, da, 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 da. Just one second. Give me one second here. Hold on. Yeah. Um, there we go. It's in Pirkei Avos, chapter two, Mishnah four. Ase rotsono kirtsonacha, kadeshi yase rotsonacha kirtsono, which means enact his will with a capital H, like your will, in order that he will will enact your will as if it's his will. My understanding of that meaning that if you make your will in accordance with God's will, meaning that you'd don't demand that things should happen according to your will, but you you uh, you wish them to happen just as they do, meaning you wish them to happen in accordance with God's will, then all will be well. Uh, another variant on this or another statement of this in Chazal is in the Gemara Talmud Bavli Shabbos Daf Pechas Amud Beis, that is uh, 88b. Tanur uh, Banan, so it's talking about people who are uh, on a very high level, it says uh, that they are aluvin ve'inan olvin, shomin cherpasan ve'inan meshivin, osin me'ahava usmechin biyisurin. That they are insulted, but they do not insult back. They hear their disgrace and they do not respond. They act out of love and they rejoice in afflictions. Alehin akasuv am omer. Regarding them, the pasuk says in Shoftim, Judges five thirty one, the oavav ketzes hashemesh bigvuraso. Those who uh, uh, love him or his loved ones are like the emergence of the sun in its might. So that that idea, especially of acting out of love and rejoicing in afflictions, that's the uh, that's what that Nietzsche quote is of love, love uh, not merely to bear what is necessary, less still to conceal it, but to love it or amor fati. So that would be the highest level where where you're not just accommodating yourself to what happens, but you are actively embracing it at every uh, you know at every. Uh, no matter what happens, and uh, and you're in a constant state of ahava and simcha, of love and and joy. So, I have talked in an earlier episode about how I think that that level is largely out of reach for most of us, certainly for me right now. And I was actually happy to see in Keith Seddon's commentary on the Epictetus, on that Epictetus quotation, then he acknowledges this. He he says that the what I'm calling level three is really, really for the level of the Stoic Sophos, which is like the sage or the philosopher, whereas the in-between level, which Epictetus does not mention, what I'm calling the obstacle is the way, is for the Stoic Prokopton, or however you pronounce it, which is the Stoic in training. Uh, I'll read Keith Seddon's commentary here for what it's worth. He says, uh, first he states the idea, he says, but if we positively wish for everything to occur just as it is, by contracting in advance, so to speak, with every event to say to this is what I want or this is what God wants, so I want it also, we can forestall having to defend ourselves against impressions that urge an incorrect evaluation that something bad or unwanted has occurred that sanctions a pathos 
that this is something bad for me to which it is appropriate to act emotionally, because in adopting this outlook, we are declaring in advance that nothing bad ever happens. And this, in effect, for the Stoic Sophos at, at any rate, is already to have evaluated every impression in advance of its occurring as representing something good, desirable, and in accordance with the will of God. Okay, so that's for the Stoic Sophos, that's the philosopher. Okay, but Seddon goes on. But in striving to adopt the role of the Stoic Prokopton, the Stoic in training, responding to events that constitute the destruction of our property, the humiliating collapse of our enterprises, and other sorts of dispreferred eventualities, we may be doing well merely to accept the inevitable without going so far as to declare them positively desirable. These are things that must happen if God is to make the world according to his plan, and suffering this fate is how we contribute to that plan. The leap to embracing these things as good is at this stage a leap too far for us, though we know that the more we can sustain our dispassion, the closer we approach a good flow of life, a Uroya Bayou. I don't know how to pronounce that. Okay, so anyway, he's acknowledging what I'm saying here, which is that it's 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 asking too much for most of us to love fate and to uh, to have a positive disposition towards it. Uh, and And therefore, we should merely work on accepting fate, accepting the fact that there are things we can't control, and uh, and then employing the technique of the obstacle is the way by transforming that which is an impediment into that which advances our action. Okay, so that's a summary of how we've talked about these ideas in the past. So I want to propose a new way to think about these things. And this is not uh, in contradiction, okay? This is uh, just an alternative way uh, that can exist simultaneously, that that these are, rather than viewing them as three developmental stages, uh, I want to call this the the stoic waltz of fate. Okay. And by fate here, I mean, uh, I mean, not fate in the sense of predestiny, but fate in the sense of things that are outside of our control. Okay. And, uh, I'm calling it a waltz because I find that there is a, uh, a three, four time signature type of, uh, of pattern where you go one, two, three, one, two, three. And instead of advancing developmentally from one to the other, you're constantly dancing between these three steps of resisting fate, employing fate and embracing fate. Okay. And I'm going to give you an example of this. And this is really where the insight was born from. Okay. So, uh, as it currently stands, I'm recording this on January 10th on Monday, and I am currently scheduled to fly to Seattle on January 13th, on Thursday, to begin my much needed winter break. And uh, just to contextualize this, I'm recording this not only on January uh, 10th, but on January 10th, 2022. So right now, the Omicron variant of, of the coronavirus is raging in especially in New York City, but really all over the world. And there have been, uh, you know, this has been on my mind. Uh, and, um, and you know, there are several things that could be impediments to my returning home. So what the first and foremost was, if I got, or get, I, could, I should still speak in the, in, the, in the future tense, if I get COVID prior to my trip, then I'm definitely going to have to make changes, right? Uh, because I don't want to bring this home to my parents who are in their 70s. Um, so that's one impediment. The other impediment is that there have been many flight cancellations uh, or flight reschedulings due to a shortage of, of uh, flight attendants and other staff um, due to COVID, okay? And then the third impediment is the weather. A couple of weeks ago, then there was a huge, or maybe last week, there was a huge snowstorm in Seattle, and a bunch of flights got canceled there. 
uh, in New York than there it snowed last week. So that's that's uh, just another another thing. So these these are three, and obviously there are many other impediments that could happen uh, uh, along the way, uh, many many, right? But these are the three that have been on my mind. So. So it's been very interesting over the past, I'd say two weeks ago was when I first started thinking about this. I didn't allow myself to think about it in December, but once it became January, then I um, I started thinking about this. And I found myself really dancing, waltzing between these three points. You know, like there are feelings like, I hope I don't get COVID, right? Uh, and And then, you know, I found myself changing, which was, uh, I went through a period where, you know, I was going to be going to a, a wedding of a really good friend where there are lots of people and I was going to be around many, many, you know, hundreds of people without masks for a very long time. And, uh, this was a, a good three weeks before my departure date. And, uh, I, I told myself, okay, I am going to, uh, I'm going to hope that I get COVID. Right. Uh, and I went to the wedding. I went to the, uh, the Sheva Brachos. Uh, I had uh, Shabbos meals uh, the following week with people who ended up having COVID. There were a bunch of the guys in the yeshiva dorm who who got COVID. So I kind of switched into this thing of I want to get COVID and just get it out of the way. Like it seems almost inevitable that I'll get it at some point anyway. I'd rather get it out of the way and recover in time to uh, to fly back to Seattle. And lo and behold, I did get sick last week and I thought it was COVID. Uh, but rapid test came back negative. Um, and again, this was at a time when, when I was in exposure to all these people who did test positive, right? So the, the, the rapid test came back negative. Okay. And I realized, okay, rapid tests are not always reliable. And I, I had all the symptoms, by the way. I mean, I had, uh, the symptoms that other people have been experiencing who had been doubly vaccinated and boosted and who got COVID. I had a headache and I never got headaches. I had a very sore throat. I was fatigued. So all of these things were going on. And so I just assumed I had COVID, but lo and behold, the PCR test came back negative. And uh, just for, to make sure I took another PCR test also came back negative. So, so it turns out I just had a really bad cold. Uh, and it, it's funny also, cause it turns out that the guys in the yeshiva dorm who, who were sick, experiencing similar symptoms, only half of them tested positive with COVID and the other, the other half didn't. So so now I'm in the point where I'm no longer within that window where I can get COVID and uh, and then recover in time to go back to Seattle without changing my plans. So now I find myself back on the other extreme, which is, oh, I hope I don't get COVID again. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention, when I did get sick, then I really switched into the Amor Fati mode of, okay, this is it. Like, like I, I, you know, I, I know that COVID uh, could end up being bad for me, but like I, I have it and I'm embracing it, et cetera. So... This, you know, and now I'm back in this this state where I uh, where there's not enough of a time window that if I got it now that I could recover before going back, and you know I'm I'm still checking the weather. It looks like right now the weather doesn't there shouldn't be any major weather events in New York or in Seattle that could prevent me from going back. So like that's kind of in the clear. But then I'm also looking at my flight, you know, my my uh, my scheduled flight, uh, checking the JetBlue app uh, every day. And, uh, and so far, the flight has been canceled. So that's why I'm describing this as a waltz, that I think developmentally, I am on the level where I'm working on the obstacle is the way. I have moments of amor fati where I embrace my fate, but I think the area that I really need to work on right now is, is taking the impediments to action and making them into uh, a means of advancing action. But, but I do find that from moment to moment, then I am 
in this waltz from resisting fate to using fate to embracing fate. And I think that that's just an interesting way to conceptualize it. And it might even, by conceptualizing it this way, it is also making these fluctuations more, more natural. It's framing them that this is a natural part of human experience and that it's uh, it's okay and natural to fluctuate. In fact, uh, embracing the fact that you fluctuate or accepting the fact that you fluctuate and then eventually embracing the fact that you fluctuate, I think is a good exercise in this. And, uh, and I think it's just a really useful way to think about these three, these three points, uh, in our relationship to fate or to, uh, uh, to the Ratzon Hashem, to God's will. So just wanted to share that this morning. And, uh, that is it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at Matt-Schneeweiss and my Zell and PayPal are mattschneeweiss.gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewis at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.